This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. out there that'll give you all kinds of mental gymnastics and all kinds of things. Well, are you saved? Are you really saved? Are you elected? Where do we get this? What happened 500 years before Calvin? Paul tells us if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has risen him from the dead, you will be saved. Anything outside of this, that either I'm calling the word of God in this verse a liar, or I believe it. As Pastor Eddie continues his teaching series through the book of Romans, he'll be encouraging you to keep things simple when it comes to the gospel message. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Your salvation comes simply from the finished work Jesus did on the cross for you. You can't add or take away from this truth. Your obedience should come out of appreciation, not from trying to maintain or earn salvation. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 10 for today's edition of Running the Race. We no longer under a tutor. We don't need the teacher. The schoolmaster, the teacher would teach his or her student. And once the student has learned all that he or she needs to learn, there is no need for a teacher. Much respect for a teacher. How many of us always go back and remember our teachers? I do. The ones I gave the hard time and the ones that really put up with me and the one that was, you know, I remember them. I remember them. Was the famous last name for a teacher, Mrs. McGillicuddy. Got that from Little Rascals. But, but you learn, once you learn from the t- tutor, once you learn from the teacher, you no longer need, need the teacher. Now you're on your own. And with respect to a teacher, we have respect, yes. We respect the law, yes. But now we move on to Christ at the end of the law. The law ended and stopped at the cross at Calvary. The law has already been accomplished through Christ. It has been accomplished through Christ. Before with the law, it was out, out, outward works. It was had to deal with things in the outside. And it was a bunch of do's. Do, 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 do. But because of the cross, it is done, done, done through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the end of the law. Jesus did not destroy the laws. That's why he didn't end the law, because then he would destroy. He didn't destroy the law, but he, what, fulfilled the law. He tells us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus fulfilled the law. He was the end of the law. He's the culmination of the law as it pertains to righteousness for everyone, Jew or Gentile, for everyone who believes, for all who believes. Verse 5, he says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. 
The man who does those things shall live by them. He's quoting Leviticus chapter 18, verse 4 for you students. The man who does those things, which is the law, shall live by them. The law. In other words, if you want to live by the law, then you have to obey all the law. Every single one. That's 613 laws. 613 commandments. 365 don'ts and 248 do's. Can we do them all? Absolutely not. You want to be righteous by the law? Then you have to obey every single one of them. Because if you break just one of the law, you're guilty of them all. 613 commandments. You broke law number 495. (laughs) You broke all the law. James tells us in James chapter 2 verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Guilty of all. If you break just one, break one law of the land, you, you, you commit a crime. Just one, you're a criminal. Just one, it makes you a criminal. Just one law, just break one. Makes you a criminal. Criminal by definition, a person who has committed a crime, single, a crime, not crimes. That'll make you a serial, a career criminal. But you just break one, you're a criminal. So you have to, you want to go to heaven with the law? Knock yourself out. It's not going to happen. So really, technically, there are two ways to go to heaven. There's two ways to go to heaven. I know that sounds foreign, even for me. We know there's only one way. But technically, if you want to go to heaven by the law, then you have to fulfill all the law. But it's impossible. You want to fulfill, let's look at that option. I want to go to heaven by fulfilling the law. Well, let's just look at that. Can you live your life without breaking any of the laws? Already we know it's impossible. I'll help you. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. When you were born... You see, the scripture says, just before you came out your mother's womb, unless we have some laboratory babies here, just, we don't, praise God. Anyway, just as you was born, this the moment you were born, you're born into sin. I mean, it looks so precious when you see a baby, right? When you were born, you look so cute, I'm pretty sure, but you were born to die. It's the reality of it. It's just counting the days until God says it's time for you to go home. But as soon as you're born, you're born into sin. David writes in the Psalm, Psalm 51 verse 5, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Perfect example. Many of us have been around two years old, two-year-olds, right? When you see a two-year-old break something. Nobody else in the room. You ask him, who did that? Not me, right? Who taught the baby how to lie? I mean, did he go to lie school? Or she? I mean, the kids, how does a baby lie? How does it, they know this. It's by nature. They are born in sin. We are all born in sin. As soon as we're born, sin. So can't, that means... You didn't even get a chance to even think about the law, let alone try to not break them. Just a review of 
our study of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, what it says, for all have sinned and all for sure of the glory of God. All have sinned. Jew, Gentiles, it does all have sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, that is through Adam, entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So we're born into sin. That's why you need to be born again, you see. That's where that comes in. Born again. So the truth is there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Because by the law, it's just impossible. It's too late. Even if you hadn't thought about it, (laughs) you're born into sin. So there really is one way. Now, Jesus fulfilled the laws in the prophet. Now we come... We come to a section here uh, with verse 6. Paul has just proved this case. I mean, he's speaking to Jews, but this is applicable to all men. And that's what he's trying to tell the Jews. This is, this is for all men, Jew or Gentiles. So now because he's addressing the Jewish readers, that doesn't mean that, okay, is it, we're, we're excluded. No, it still applies to us. And so now we saw uh, God's sovereignty. He's going to now show us how salvation is available, how salvation is attainable, how salvation is accessible to all. Verse 6, he said, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. In other words, don't say or even think that we could ascend, go up to heaven and get Jesus Christ. Oh, he's, he's the only way? Yes. Okay, well, how do we get up there? Let's just build a tower. <laughs> Let's just build a little large ladder to try to get to him. No, you know that's impossible. You don't need to go to heaven to get Jesus. We already had one man that represented was a type of Christ who already went up the mountain to get the law, and that was Moses in Mount Sinai. He went up to God and got the law and brought it down. Verse 7, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So don't say that or even think that we could descend or go down to the abyss. The abyss refers to the place of the dead, the underworld. Some people use this as a term for the water deep, the deep. But this is referring to the dead. But we already had that done, right? There was a man, a prophet that God tells him, hey, listen, Go to Nineveh. What happens? Uh, I'm going my way, Jesus. Those people, uh, that's it. I mean, I don't know why you spend time with the people in Nineveh, but I'm going the other way around. He swallowed by a whale, and his name is Jonah. He went to the, all the way down. There's a symbol of him going all the way down. So we can't say these things. So there, there is one who has already made the way. There was one who has been both in heaven and down in the grave. And now he sits again at the right hand of the Father is Jesus Christ. There is no need for us to go anywhere, any place for salvation because Jesus Christ already came down. He descended. He died for us. He came down and now he's risen. He ascended to be with the Father in Acts chapter 1. He already has done that. So Jesus is accessible to all of us. And so no matter where you are, you can find Jesus. And that's what he's trying to, it's accessible, guys. It's available. By God's sovereignty in chapter 9, he's telling them, listen, you've been chosen. But now Jesus is the way and it's available for all men. 
God, through his amazing love and God, through his amazing grace, has done the work so we don't have to. Not only we think about salvation, how simple it is, and this is the point. This is why there's so many religions, there's so many denominations or denominations, whatever you want to call them, but there's so many ways to go to heaven. There wanted so many ways when Christ made it so simple in that theological term, justification by faith, by just simply believing in him. That's it. Abraham didn't have a Bible, and he was counted in him as righteousness. All we got to do is believe. Jesus made it so easy for us. Not only made it so easy because he did all the work, but he also made it so available for us as well. So not only there was a way, but to find a way was easy as well. But religion comes into place. Man comes in and makes it more difficult than ever. To deceive man, to let him, to, to make him think that we have to go through, jump through hoops and go through a mental gymnastic to think about salvation and sovereignty of God when it's available, when it's free, when it's accessible. Verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What Paul is pointing out here is God's commandment. He's, he's bringing to remembrance those who study there, the Torah, those who study the Tanakh. They understand what Paul is saying. Paul is referring to back when the Lord commanded them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He says, and these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I hope parents are doing that today. And shall talk to them with your mouth when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. The word, your house should be filled with the word. Not with the 200 and something channels of this, of nothing to watch. Not with video games and not filled with the world of sports. But filled with the word of God. This is the commandment of God. Not only to the children of Israel, but it's applicable to us today. How, how, we, how we can we live without the word? He says that if, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's to confess, it's to believe Believe and confess. This is man's free will. This is man's responsibility. And there are groups out there that will give you all kinds of mental gymnastics and all kinds of things. Well, are you saved? Are you really saved? Are you elected? Where do we get this? What happened 500 years before Calvin? Paul tells us if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has risen him from the dead, you will be saved. Anything outside of this, then either I'm calling the word of God in this verse a liar, or I believe it. If I, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, can I tell you, saints, is the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation is so simple. To live as a Christian is difficult, but salvation itself is simple. Christ already done the work. It is finished. Tell us die. To think that we need to add to Telestai, it's, a, it's really an insult to God. 
to say that the complete work of the cross is not complete, Jesus. I need to take it from here. Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He said, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I, I've seen so many people in my walk with the Lord that have been deceived and have made Christianity more difficult. It made it more difficult and they pushed the cross further, further apart because they went to theological school or they went to cemetery or seminary. And now all of a sudden, wisdom puffs up. And now they want to play with people. And they have no time for those that are not saved. They want to talk to Christians to make sure you got it right. I always say this. I don't have time to argue with those. You believe in great. You take the train. I take the plane. But I'm not going to argue with you about Jesus Christ. I know where I stand. And there are people who never heard about Jesus. I'm not going to waste time with you. I'm going to share my, the gospel for those who have never heard about Jesus Christ. You, you want to argue? Well, you, know, you pay for coffee and when I have time. But I'm not going to waste my time. Arguing, arguing, disputing theology and doctrine and everything else. I don't. Listen, you're saved by all means. Go. He was with us, not against us. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. And it's sad, but the simplicity of the gospel, we forget. We make it more difficult. We make it more hard. And now the, the enemy creeps in and you've been serving the Lord. You believe in God. Well, are you really saved? And now there's, there's condemnation. When Paul already said, there is now there and for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we live in condemnation. That is not of God. That is not of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you. That's good. That's healthy. You want the Holy Spirit to convict you, but you have the enemy using people to bring condemnation upon. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. So it, it, it's the heart. And it's more than something intellectual or to agree in the facts that Jesus exists in his death and his resurrection to have it in mind. But it has to be in your heart. If you believe in your heart, 18 inches from your brain, 18 inches from your brain to your heart. And you have to believe with your heart. It needs to be passionate. It can't be theological. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the belief in your heart it needs to be accompanied with action, not works. We're not saved by works, lest we should boast. We're saved by grace. But there should be a confession with your mouth. With your mouth. Perfect example. I love my wife. She knows it. Her friends knew it. My friends knew it. Her family knew it. My family knew it. Her parents knew it. I knew it. And I wanted to commit my life completely to her, for her. And I said, well, let's get married. So in marriage, I even went as far as to say, I do. I don't know why she said I do, but I do. So there's a confession. It's a verbal. I do. Do you? Yes, I do. It's a confession. The same thing with a love relationship between a man and a woman. They make that, I love you. Yes, I do. That's how strong my love is, that I confess it. And when I'm asked before God, do you? Yes, I 
do. I believe in my heart Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I confess it with my mouth. I confess it with my mouth. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes, that's whoever, not the elected, not the chosen few, not the special people, whoever believes on him will be put, will not be put to shame. Paul emphasizing the universal availability of the gospel here whoever believe and this also comes it's not a new this is not this is in the new testament but it's also in the old testament so this is old this was a prophecy prophesied that whoever calls upon the name of the lord will be saved there was a plan of god from the very beginning god's heart was to save all men jew gentiles alike we find that in the prophet uh, joel in joel chapter 2 verses 32 he says And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Old Testament. Old Testament prophecy. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. The same God the same blessing, the same way of salvation. Scripture tells us we inherit, we're, we're co-heirs with Christ and even the blessings of Christ, we still will inherit as well. Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. Now listen to this. This is very important because a lot of false teaching out there. Whoever is whoever. Look at it up in the Greek. Look at it in the Hebrew. Look it up in any language, whoever is whoever. There has never been a human being, a man, a woman, anyone. There's never been a case when one has called the name of the Lord and has been rejected by God. You know that's impossible. God would never reject anyone that comes to him. So all, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Even... The non-elect. Tell that to the elect. Hey, you believe in this election? Guess what? I was not elected, but I called upon the name of the Lord, and I'm saved. As we know the hearts of people, as we know the destination of people, we know the hearts of man. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's for Jew and Gentiles, for every man, woman, boy, or girl. That's for every drug dealer, every every murderer, every non-elect person, and everyone who has ever been rejected by people of the world. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple as that. No rituals, no rules and regulations, no work on your behalf. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. 
When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.